Man, can we just thank the Lord for that story with Rose and Choices Ministry? You know, the joy of being the church is that we get to partner with a number of organizations in our community. And Doug Newland had that idea. He said, you know, we're partnering with all these organizations. There's so many things that God is doing. And if we can help accelerate some of their projects, God can help more people in a faster way. And I just want to remind you, just thank you for your generosity. The generosity is the way of the kingdom. It's the way of Jesus. He has been generous to us. And just a reminder, any cash that's given today, it's going to go to our next Give Project. And I just want to say thanks in advance. We know God's going to use that. And some of you are going, man, that, that's kind of wild to think about the idea that you and I get to help impact the lives in our region. I, I was taken aback when Rose said that Choices doesn't just help here in New Albany, but they're in five counties. And this is where the church is called. We are called to step into the crisis. We are called as a church to step in, to meet those who are in need, to give people hope, to go, hey, we are with you and we will walk with you and we want you to know about the love of Jesus. And so I just want to say thanks. And, and I also want to remind you too, uh, God has invited us into that. And that's why we're studying this idea of the person of Jesus. That Jesus invites you and I as broken people to be his church, to step into his kingdom. And one of the ways we're learning about this is we've started this whole series called Quest 52. And I want to remind you, if you haven't had a chance to pick up one of these study guides, they're just going to help us to dive into God's word. They're for sale $8 out at the Resource Center. You guys bought all that we had. We had to order more. And also, if it's your first time here today, we want to give you this free out in the living room. Uh, we also had a thousand free Bibles that we gave away. And here's the good news. They gone, right? Like they all gone, right? And so if you missed it, sorry. No, hey, we ordered another thousand, all right? And so if you didn't get a Bible, we want to give you one today because here's why. God wants to tell you who he is. He wants you and I to step into the story that he has. And I don't want you, if you don't have a Bible, just to go grab one. I want to invite you to bring it with you every weekend. We want to open God's word. And I just want to let you know, if you have your Bible with you or you got your Bible app, you can go ahead and open to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, what's so cool about Quest 52 is this. Each week, we're going to ask a big question about who Jesus is. And we're going to allow Jesus to speak to us. We're going to find out what he wants us to learn in Luke chapter 2. What's incredible about the book of Luke, uh, I love this about Jesus. The book of Luke and the book of Acts is written, written by Dr. Luke, uh, who did investigative work in the life of Jesus. They're the two longest books in the New Testament. And here's what's so cool about it. They're written to one guy. That's how much God loves you and I. He's like, I'm willing to write two of the largest books of the New Testament to one person because that's how much Theophilus, who God was writing to, matters. See, oftentimes in our life, we feel like God doesn't really know who I am. And he's like, no, 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 I want you to know that I love you and that I'm for you. And last week we asked this question, can God use me for big things? You know, some of us, we have that question. We want to do big things, you know, and then sometimes we feel like we haven't arrived and there's moments in our life that we feel like, God, we're going, can you use me? And, and maybe you will. <laughs> there's these moments, though, that come up in our life and they humble us. Literally last night after the Saturday night service, a guy came up to me right after service. He made a beeline. And I'm like, man, this guy really needs prayer. And he, he just talked to me. He said, Nate, next time you preach, just look right into the camera. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, what do I do? He goes, because when you turn your head like this, the screen looks like you have gray hair. 
And I'm like, I do, man. Like, you know, and it's one of those moments that I'm like, okay, a reminder, like I'm getting older, right? And there's these humbling moments that come up and we go, man, God could use me for great, you know, great moments. And I'm like, nope, I've got gray hair, right? Like, yeah, you know, wah, 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 right? you know, maybe God can't use me for great things. And what's amazing is this, we have those voices and we have those conversations and they remind us of getting older. They remind us maybe of how out of shape or the, the person I used to be that I'm not now. And what I love, Jacob Bales, he's our high school pastor. Man, if you didn't get to hear his message, go back and listen to it. It was an absolutely phenomenal message. But his big idea as we were talking about the life of Mary was this. The greatest thing he said is this, that you can do is to be faithful to what God has called you to do. See, oftentimes we wanna do great things and maybe we haven't achieved greatness to our standards and maybe we haven't achieved greatness to the standards of the world, but what was incredible is this, it's not can you and I do great things, the greatest thing you and I can do is be faithful to the one who has called us to himself. That is where greatness is. This is why Mary, when the angel approached her, we looked at her life and her response was this, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me. What a powerful prayer that we could pray today. God, may it be to me as you have said. See, this is how greatness comes into our life. This is how greatness moves. And today what we're going to ask this question is this about Jesus. Does Jesus play favorites? You ever ask that? Yeah, you maybe gone through some life and maybe you've seen somebody else and you've said stuff like this. I know I have. God, why do they have that, right? I know how much of a sinner they are, right? Why do they get that? I remember when I first met my wife, Ruthie, I had just, the only girl I ever dated in my whole life, we had broken up and we had tried to work things out. We were together and broke up three or four times and I was just kind of feeling like an absolute loser. And I remember the first time I met Ruthie, literally I wasn't like, what a great woman of God, right? I wasn't like that. I, my prayer to Jesus was this, God, why can't I have somebody like that? Real, real humble prayer, right? But I remember just being in this spot, I feel like, God, why do you bless them and you don't bless me? God, why do they always get that? And it sometimes feels like, I don't, sometimes if we can be honest today, it feels like God plays favorites. And so we want to look at that and we want to begin to see what God says about that. Matter of fact, I was taken back when I was looking at Mary's story in, in Luke chapter one, verse 28, this is what the angel says to Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Like, well, how, well, how'd she get the favor of God? And what I want to look at today in Luke chapter two is this. This is where we're going to look at with the shepherds is this. The angel comes to the shepherds and listen what the angel says. He begins to speak to the shepherds saying, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for all people. And then the angel says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his what? His favor rests. Now, how do you get God's favor? Does God really play favorites? Real quick, show of hands, who in this room is the oldest sibling in your family? Immediately, you guys are like, I am my parents' favorite, right? Now, now who, like me, is the baby in the family, right? And you're like, obviously, it is me. And all of you middle children, we just pray for you, right? You know what I'm saying? You have just been overlooked your whole life, right? 
And when you're the oldest, you think it's you because you get a little bit more special attention. You get to stay up a little bit later than the other siblings. And then as me, I'm the baby, right? And my parents were so worn out from disciplining my sister, right? That they didn't even discipline me. They're like, just do whatever, man, right? You know? And sometimes that's how parenting works, right? It's not that you're the favorite. Your parents are just tired. You're like, I should discipline you. I'm going to bed, right? But what's amazing is this, in all of our life, we begin to think we're the favorite or, or I'm, you know, I'm more favorite than them. But who is it that God favors? And scripture is very clear. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 talks about that God doesn't play favorites. It's all over the scripture. But what you find all over scripture is this, God always favors the humble. He always favors the humble. All throughout scripture, you just see that this is where God works. This is how God works works. And here's what I want us to look at. What we're going to look at here in a moment is this, because sometimes we look at, well, what Mary do to get God's favor or what the shepherds do to get God's favor? Here's the thing. One, they were humble people, but, but beyond that, what they're pointing to is this. It's not so much about their humility as it is about the humility of God that wanted to reach them. See, sometimes what we realize or what we think is this, maybe I'll become humble. Can we just be honest? We struggle with being humble, don't we? I don't know about you, but I just have this cringe factor when I hear, I'll be in a conversation with somebody and they'll say this, well, in my humble opinion, and I just want to say back, if you have to tell me you're humble, you're not, right? You know, I just, I just want to let you know, if you got to tell me it's humble, probably not. But when we say that, and here's the thing, oftentimes we, we err, we don't drift towards humility. You ever realize that? We don't just drift and one time wake up and go, man, I'm humble. No, you know where I drift, man? I drift towards arrogance. I drift towards self-centeredness. But what we find is this, what God is pointing to and why he chose Mary and what God is pointing to and why he chose the shepherds is this, they had nothing else to offer. The shepherds, you know what they had to offer? Nothing. They were just out in the field. They're taking care of sheep. There's no prestige. There's no power. They're the low man on the totem pole. Matter of fact, because they were unclean, they didn't even get to come into the synagogue services. They just had to sit outside and raise the sheep that would be offered on the sacrifice. Thanks, we'll take it from here. Go back to the field. See, what we find with the shepherds is this. It's not just that they were the most humble people. It's that you and I have the most humble God that has come after you and I. It says, I want to bring you into my story. See, this is the good news about God. It's not just that he's waiting for you and I to be humble. What he's doing is this, through his soul, whole story is this. I'm always calling people into humility, which Jesus is our humility. Matter of fact, if you study the life of God, what's amazing is this. From the very beginning, he always chose shepherds. Adam was a shepherd. His son Abel, a shepherd. Abraham, a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. There's something in this rhythm is this, because shepherds are these people who find their life totally humble. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Everybody's forgotten them. The only thing the sheep do is this, they just take a dump on everything. 
You know what I'm saying? Like literally, no, ma- no matter how good those shepherds are, you know how the sheep return the favor? They eat all their food and they trash the place. Some of you are like, that sounds like my children, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, literally that's all the shepherds do. This is the thing. Sheep can understand the shepherds, but the sheep can't speak back. And all the shepherds do are this. They continue to love the sheep. They continue to walk with the sheep. They continue to protect the lives of the sheep. They continue to help the sheep. See, humility isn't about you and I. Humility is about our God who's come to be with us. This is why Jesus says this in John chapter 10. He says this, I am the good what? I'm the good shepherd. Man, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for his sheep. Do you see the humility in this? See, here's, here's the incredible thing about Jesus. It's not just that you and I would choose humility. It's that humility has chosen us. See, when we see that God has chosen us, it begins to change our life. When, when you and I begin to see that I have nothing to offer, but God is saying, I know, and I want to invite you into my story. Oftentimes, we always think more about our inability than we do God's ability to transform our life. And God is saying, no, this is, what I want to, this is what I want you to see in these shepherds. They had nothing to offer me, but I have everything to offer them. Today, you may feel totally defeated. And maybe God's, you're going, maybe I'm not God's favorite. Oh, no, no, no. You need to know that your heavenly father loves you and he has given you the greatest gift. It's Jesus. But here's what we have to understand. It's this. Humility is a choice. Humility has chosen us. And our response is that you and I would choose humility. This is the way that Jesus worked. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, imagine this. Some of you are like, well, I bet Paul was the super spiritual guy. Actually, Paul killed Christians. You're like, time out. That's who God uses? That's who God uses. Now, he had to knock him off his high horse, literally, and blind him for a couple days, right? And kind of like shake him up a little bit, right? And tell him that he has gray hair too, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it kind of get his attention a little bit. But this is what happens. God says, hey, Paul, I want to get your attention. Because Paul, this was his problem. He walked around as a prideful, a Pharisee, thinking he knew everything. And here's what we find. Even in his arrogance... God offered him the humility of Jesus. This is how loving our God is. This is how much he comes after us and Paul has an encounter with him and that is how he becomes a humble man. This is how he becomes a humble pastor. And listen to what he says about Jesus in Philippians chapter two, verses eight through nine. He says, in being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus humbled himself. The man who didn't need to humble himself humbles himself and God exalts him to the highest place. Can I just let I mean, you guys know this? What's the opposite of humility? It's pride, isn't it? And here's the thing. That is actually the first sin in the Bible. Before Adam and Eve sinned, guess who sinned? Lucifer. 
He was an angel who didn't do what? He wouldn't worship Jesus. And so here's what he does. I'm out. Here is Satan's playbook for you and I. I want you to trust and follow and put your hope in anything but Jesus. This is what he knows. You and I have a choice. Where are we going to put our hope? Where are we going to put our trust? And here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to put our choices in anything but Jesus. He wants us to choose anything else. Every single regret I have can boil down to that one sentence. I didn't choose Jesus. I, I, can just, I can just summarize it. But here's the thing. You and I get to choose humility because humility has chosen us. Jesus has chosen us. We get to walk in that. And this is what I love. I, I got this text message from a buddy. I sent a screenshot. Uh, my friend just sent, uh, he had posted something on social media about his new company. He's doing incredibly well. And he and I had been praying this last year. He was starting a new company, Ben's his name. And I just, I took a screenshot of it and sent it to him. And I said, man, I'm so proud of you, dude. You started this new company. It looks like things are going great. And he literally wrote back. He had no idea I was preaching about humility this weekend. And he said this, he goes, he goes, things are going so well, unbelievable start. And then he said this, I would love to meet a couple times with you this year because I'm having so much success, but I want to stay what? Humble. Isn't it amazing that success has that temptation to pull us away from our humility? And this is what Satan wants you to do. He doesn't, it's not just that God doesn't want you to have success. What he wants you to do is this. To keep choosing our humility, even in the midst of our success. That's what success looks like. That's why I want us to look at the shepherds. See, it wasn't so much about that the shepherds earned this visit from the angel. What I want to look at is this. How do you and I in our day in and day out life continue to choose humility? To continue to become people of Jesus in our everyday life. And this is what I love. If you see this here in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 15 through 20 because this was the choice that the shepherds made when humility chose them. When God chose them, they didn't deserve it. They didn't have anything to, to give God, but he chose them. Listen to what it says in verse 15. It says, when the angels had left the shepherds and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I just want to look here real quickly about how the shepherds chose humility, and they point a path for you and I today. This is what I love. It says the first thing they did in verse 16 was this. It says, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph in the baby. You know how humility begins every day by you and I? This is what it looks like. Choosing humility is running to Jesus. That's what humility is. Humility isn't you and I running to our giftedness. It's not running to our bank accounts. It's not running to all of the power and the prestige that we have. It begins with running to Jesus. 
And this is what I love about this scenario. It doesn't say, then the shepherds went home, took a shower because they were stank. Like none of that was in the scripture. You know what it says? As messy as they were, as filthy as they were, guess what Jesus said? Come on in. I love what Aaron said during his communion talk today. That God doesn't say, hey, it's time for you to go home. What God says is, it's time for you to make your home with me. It's time for you to respond to the invitation that I've given you to come home, to be a part of this home. That's why in two weeks, it's not Super Bowl weekend, it's baptism weekend. And we are going to be celebrating a slew of folks who are coming home to Jesus, placing their faith in Jesus, because this is what they know. It's not that they have something to offer God, it's that God has something to offer them. And he is transforming their lives. Matter of fact, uh, that you can sign up for Baptism Weekend on that. You can go to our website. we got all the info there. Carrie Murphy and our kids' side team, they're putting together a whole night, February 9th. If you got elementary kiddos, you can sign up for that class as well. I, I can't wait. Uh, next Sunday night, we got a couple in our life group, their fourth grade son. We're going to meet back here next Sunday night, and he's going to get baptized. And just there's been incredible talk in our life group. And here's what's amazing about it. Here's why this matters. Because if we're not careful, we'll miss the humility of Jesus. The disciples did. When the kiddos saw Jesus, the scripture says this, that they started running towards him, right? Just like the shepherds. And do you remember what the disciples said when the kiddos wanted to hang out with Jesus? What'd they say? Get out of here! You're like, what? They did. Yeah, they can't serve in kids' side, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, if that's your attitude, we don't want you to sign up and serve in kids' side. Get out of here, kid, right? Whatever. That's what the disciples do. They go, kids, get out of here. He doesn't have anything for you. And what does Jesus tell them? No, 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 no. Let the kiddos come to me. You know why? Because God wants to bring his kingdom through fourth graders in their school. God wants to redeem every generation. He doesn't kick out a generation. He doesn't kick out a nation. He is the one who redeems all nations, all generations. And he says, no, I've invited you into this. It's this. Will you and I choose the humility that has already chosen us? See, this is what I love about the shepherds. The first thing they do is they just run after Jesus. But then this is what it says. Right after that, in verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. They come to Jesus, and then they start talking about Jesus. See, choosing humility isn't just running to Jesus, it's speaking about Jesus. It's telling people. Can I just be honest with you all? Sharing my faith is one of the scariest things I do. We're like, well, Nate, you're up here. Isn't this scary? Guys, this is a monologue, not a dialogue, right? I'm just talking. You're just listening, right? You know what I'm saying? And this is what happens when I get in a dialogue with somebody and they start asking questions. And sometimes somebody asks questions I might not have the answer for. And I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't have ever opened this conversation. I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes sharing our faith is the scariest thing. And you know what it requires? Humility. Humbling ourselves opening ourselves up to ridicule, but opening up our hearts to love others. That's why a couple weeks, weekends ago, uh, we started that light bulb wall out in the, in the lobby. If you've seen it, we put a scripture from Acts 9.31 on there. And what we invited you to do, we only got about 200 spots left on there. If you haven't been a part of this, we want to invite you to do it. But, but on the light bulb, what's incredible is this. We've asked people to write three to five names of people that they're praying for, that they want to see come to follow Jesus. 
And it's this reminder that you and I would be praying about that all throughout the year and asking God, would you give me the humility and the courage to invite, to share Jesus? Can I just tell you the story though? It was, it was amazing. That weekend after we introduced it, I walked right off the stage over here. There's a couple high school boys that sit over there. They go to Floyd Central. And when I walked off the stage, uh, the most incredible conversation happened. One of the friends told the other one, he went down here, grabbed a light bulb, and this is what he said. He told his friend, he said, would you write your name on my light bulb because you are who I've been praying for? As 40 men, I'm like, not only am I getting gray hair, now I'm crying a whole lot faster, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just this moving moment. And I went, what courage? What humility. That, God, I'm not just going to run to you, but, God, I'm going to speak about you. That, God, I, in my everyday places, in my everyday relationships, God, I, I'm just going to tell people, I, I know this, I can't save anybody, but I can tell you about the one who can. Man, my greatest failure in ministry, when I was in youth ministry, there was a kid in our youth group, his name is Nick. Nick uh, was a junior when I, when I began to be one of the pastors there at my church in Illinois. And uh, Nick drove a brand new Jeep Rubicon. And I drove a brand new 1993 Nissan Sentra. And uh, you know what I'm saying? No envy going on there, right? Nick's family lived in this Italian villa that was on a lake, mansion, well off. Here was my mistake. Nick's got a brand new Jeep. Family has a mansion. Nick's fine. Nick's good. It wasn't until that summer at our church camp that God began to do a deep work in Nick's life. And just through tears, he began just to share with me all of his insecurities, all of his failures, all of his flaws, all of his fears, all this other stuff. And I was overwhelmed with my mistake because here's what my mistake was. My mistake was this, because I thought Nick was well off, I thought he was well off. And what did I not do? I didn't speak about Jesus with him. I didn't go, Nick, what, what, what's Jesus doing in your life? Nick, what are you afraid of? Nick, Nick, what's going on? Nick, what sin do you need to turn from? Nick, where do you need the power of the Spirit? Forget the Jeep Rubicon. Forget the mansion. This is what I found out. There is no Jeep. There is no money. There is no mansion that can change your soul. There's only one. His name's Jesus. See, your humility has chosen you. Will you choose your humility? Biggest regret of my life. See, this is what the shepherds do. They run to Jesus, but then they begin to speak about Jesus. And then this is what I love in verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know what he did? Yeah, this is what I love about the shepherds. They went back to work. You know what you're going to do tomorrow? You can go, some of you are like, I, I don't know, tell me what I'm doing. You're going to go back to work, right? What am I going to do, right? <laughs> no, 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 you're going to go back to work. You know what you're going to do after this? You're going to go back home. Some of you, you're, you're going, man, oh, this is how humility works. They meet Jesus, they begin to speak about Jesus, but then they go back home and they begin to praise God. See, choosing humility, it's not just running to Jesus. It's not just speaking about Jesus. It's learning to live in Jesus. That our humility goes with us. That our humility goes with us to work. That our humility goes with us in our home. That's what the shepherds did. 
They began to experience this grace of God in their life. They weren't just shepherds of sheep. They were now servants of God. They had the presence of God with us. They had a bigger picture for their life. Because what they realized was this. Humility has chosen them. Today, do you realize that Jesus has chosen you? Yeah, I don't have anything to offer. Can you just for a moment... Think more about the one who has something to offer you than your inability to offer him something. See, this is where life begins to change for you and I. When we realize the one who's called us. Got a question for you as we begin this week. Where do you and I need to choose humility this week? Just let that question linger for a second. Where do you need to begin to allow the humility of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, to change your life? Maybe, I'm not saying this is, but maybe the most humble thing that the Lord's going to ask you to do this week is to say this phrase. I'm sorry, I was wrong. I know, some of you are like, help me Jesus, right? You know, they're like, whoa, right? Yeah. Maybe one of the things that humility is going to call you to do is this. Maybe you're, you're in a fight right now, relationship, man. And humility is saying I was wrong. Maybe humility looks like this for you this week, though. And this is why we have people here to pray with folks after service is this, just right where you are, it's this. Maybe humility is calling you to say this this week. I need some help. As a man, we don't like saying that, do we? I like to fix things, right? The only problem is this. The more I fix it, you ever realize this? The worse it gets, <laughs> right? God, I need help this week. I'm going to let you know. It's not embarrassing to say, man, I need help. That's why we want to meet you right where you are. We got team. We got our staff. We just want to meet you right where you go. Hey, let's pray together. Man, I need help as I grieve through the loss of somebody. Man, I need help. It, as I go through this, see, it's not just will you choose to be humble. It's will you and I realize that humility has chosen us. May this week, may we respond with the humility and grace that God has given us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you call in your word Father, oftentimes we identify more with the lowly like the shepherds than we do any king. Because, Father, we are so aware of our inadequacies. And, Father, I just pray in this moment, God, that by the power of your spirit, not by our power, not by our willpower, but by your power, by your love, by your mercy, that right now, today, this week, that our hearts and our minds would be way more overwhelmed with you. Father, there is nothing in this world that can change us but you. And so, Jesus, today we offer you our lives. Father, we pray for those over the next two weeks who are wrestling with this decision to become followers of you. By your spirit, God, by your humility and grace, Lord, would they choose you. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. amen. May you walk in his humility this week, everybody. God bless you all. We'll see you next weekend.